A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. This episode of A Tiny Revolution is brought to you in part by BetterHelp, an online therapy platform that makes therapy accessible for everyone. With plans starting as low as $35 a week, BetterHelp gives you access to thousands of licensed professional therapists right from the convenience of your own personal device. Click the link in the show notes and try online therapy today and start working towards a happier, healthier you. BetterHelp. Convenient, affordable therapy. Hey friends, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about regular, ordinary people living revolutionary lives. Welcome to episode 58. My name is Kevin Garcia. Let's have a fun time today, shall we, friends? Oh my gosh, so much is happening. Summer is gearing up. We're getting busy, honey. We're enjoying the poolside. We're enjoying our life. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of really brilliant things happening, and so I'm excited to share those with you. So before we dive into the conversation, things coming up for me, I am going to be in Phoenix, Arizona on June 23rd at First Church. I've got details coming to you very, very soon, so just keep a lookout at my social media, but I'm going to be working with uh, First Church UCC in Phoenix. We're going to be doing a dope event to talk about... um, you know, abuse in the church and all those other sorts of things. At the end of the month in Atlanta, in the end of June, I'm going to be partnering with Reformation Project and the local Reformation Project chapter to put on an event. Um, those details are still coming together, but I think it's going to be the last weekend in June. So if you're in Atlanta or you want to come to Atlanta, it's probably going to be, a, I know it's going to be a free event. So just come on, mark your calendars. We'll see you here. Um, and of course, just like every year, I'm going to be at the Wild Goose Festival where I'm doing literally probably too many things i'm going to be doing a talk called bridges over battle lines which if you saw it at the q christian fellowship conference it's a similar one but i've reworked it a little bit um and i have a little bit longer to talks and there's no gonna be no technology so there won't be any snafus this time so you should definitely come to that i'm also doing a panel with emily joy and morgan guyton called embodied faith sex positive christianity where we're going to talk about sexual ethics and we're going to talk about sex positivity and i've never talked about this in public so like there's a part of me that's like very excited but also just like i feel kind of dirty talking about it so yeah definitely check that out and then the other one i'm doing is another panel um titled tbd but I'm doing it with Dr. Robin Henderson Espinosa, and it's on internalized homophobia and transphobia. It's going to be super duper dope. And then on top of all those things, I'm also going to be on the Goosecast stage, which is the podcast recording stage, recording a live episode of Failed Missionary alongside Corey Pig and Jamie Wright, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago. If you haven't heard about the Failed Missionary podcast, it is a fantastic series documenting uh, what happens after the mission field. Um, kind of shining a light on the problem of uh, the modern the modern day missions machine which is doing a lot more damage than good in the world so if you're interested in that go ahead to your iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcast and listen to Failed Missionary I'm also going to be co-hosting uh, the third series on that about LGBTQ identities 
um, which I'm very, very excited about talking about my queer experience on the mission field and what kind of shit it did to me. So again, go check that out on the mission field. Go to wildgoosefestival.org and get your tickets. And if you want to save a little bit of money on your tickets, you can use the promo code GOOSECAST18. And I think you'll save something like 25% on your tickets. Don't quote me on that. But still, it's money in the bank. Shoddy what you drank if you're not drinking anything that's cool too. Anyways, go get your tickets. I'll see you at the Wild Goose Festival. That's all from me. That's all from me. So today on the podcast, I have my sweet, sweet friend whose story is unfortunately not all that uncommon, to be honest. Her name is Hannah Parks, and we connected over Facebook. And since then, I've seen her come out, defend herself against the throes of the evangelical world, and then get married to her amazing wife. And I'm so stoked for her. She's fierce and cool, and she has dope-ass tattoos, and I know that you're going to love this conversation. A little bit about her. When Hannah was nearly 23 years old, God disrupted the despair in her life. And it was a life that was filled with violence and drugs and alcohol and strip clubs and gangs. And after a couple years and some extreme transformation, she emerged as a traveling speaker, a preacher, Bible teacher, and evangelist. She was days away from heading to Europe for a speaking engagement in the beginning stages of a new book deal and was being offered one of the most generous pastoral teaching positions at a church that she adored when she kind of just hit a wall. And we'll get into that in our conversation. And it was during the same time that many of the foundational beliefs began shifting in her life. In fact, they seemed to be shattering. So when they stopped working and she no longer believed what she did, and uh, she kind of just made the decision to leave. Uh, She could either keep her speaking schedule, get a published deal, become a teaching pastor, or she could choose to make sense out of her own beliefs for the first time before bestowing them on others. So in this conversation, we get into so many amazing things her walking away uh we talk about the period of of when she was trying to figure out whether it was okay to be queer and christian um we talk about what ministry looks like now on the other side of these things so yeah i am thrilled to have her on the podcast today so grab yourself a uh grab yourself a can of Lacroix, just like the gay agenda taught us and enjoy this conversation with my friend hannah parks So I used to be known for basically being an ex-gay poster child within the conservative Christian realm. Mm-hmm. And I was a traveling speaker, evangelist, all of the above. I would go to churches and tell people that I was remaining celibate as a gay woman because that's what I felt like God had called us to do as gay people. Mm. And... um over time, you know, I did like the TBN thing and I did radio and I was traveling and preaching and speaking. And over time I stopped buying what I was selling. Hmm. Like there comes a point when the reality around you doesn't fit into the box of your theology. Yeah. And so that happened and I canceled a European speaking tour. I canceled a book deal and completely stepped out of ministry. Hmm. Uh, after about four years of remaining completely silent and everybody wondering what happened to Hannah Parks (laughs) is when I posted my coming out again video Hmm. on YouTube and it sparked a ton of controversy. Yeah. So today I am a married gay woman. Ah! (laughs) And the wedding pictures are so cute. Oh, thanks. 
Thanks. I know. It was so beautiful. And, and part of kind of what's going on currently is that sparked a lot of hatred, obviously. Mm. Yeah. And I think it confuses people how I could preach one thing previously and then stand in a new place of freedom today that's so weird to me i'm just like what do you mean do you like if it were me in that position i'm just like do you believe the same way you did five well, that's years what I ago say. yeah and apparently they still do and that's a that's red flag for me that to me is absolutely terrifying <sighs> and so like you how you stepped out of because uh, i think you you ran in like a lot of pentecostal evangelical circles yeah yeah yeah, yeah, evangelical, fundamentalist, all the way. Yeah, same. So, oh gosh, gosh, I cannot imagine. So, like, you went from being this, like, you know, you know, Christian celeb to yeah. being like the antithesis of what they wanted yes. you to be. <laughs> um, so when you decided to go silent, um, and just step away from ministry and start, like, what was the process that you were going through in that period of silence? Were you like working on figuring out your theology, why you believed what you did? Were you just kind of like trying to find some sort of healing? Yes, um, all of that. But I think in particular what was so interesting for me to realize is oftentimes we hear of people that are told they have to step down from positions or Mm -hmm. they're told that they have to leave the church for certain reasons. And I think what I realized along the way was I wasn't asked to leave because I wasn't sharing my truth. Hmm. I decided to try to figure it out on my own before I went public about it. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the entire process for me, I so badly, I got to a point where I did not, I wanted so badly to not believe in God. Oh, because <laughs> didn't we it all? It make sense. Yeah. It's like, come on. Like, I just don't want to believe in you, God, whoever you are, because it makes it so hard. And so I spent years deconstructing my entire theology. Mm -hmm. I, I process things on such an intellectual level sometimes that it's hard for me to get to a place to make it make sense in reality, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I deconstructed my entire theology and then had to rebuild it Mm -hmm. to make it fit into the midst of our reality. Right. And you come to a point where you realized it fit all along. (laughs) I just didn't see it. (laughs) Yeah. But it was, I was an incredibly depressing time in the beginning. I think the first couple years was such so emotionally toiling Mm -hmm. and to have to explain that to my family like my brother is five point calvinist all the way very very like stuck in that rigid law yeah and so he's cut me out of his life and because my he doesn't even know i got married oh my god (laughs) i wish he would hear this well, maybe you can like mail him a copy or something. I don't know. Yeah, a wedding photo. Yeah. Um, but because because of because my mom refuses to cut me out of her life, mm-hmm. he's also cut her out. So he's sh- cut out the whole family. God, that is. I'm so sorry. 
It's like and he can give you scriptures that make that that make that sound like love. Like there, there's what I I just I wonder like how does that work? Yeah. Like I'm, real quick, I'm gonna move to like my back room because there's lawn mowers happening outside. Okay. <laughs> Hold. Pause for the cause. And oh, this room is booked up too with all of his stuff. So we're gonna go into this bedroom <laughs> and sit on a bed. There we go. Make it. We just make it work, don't we? <sighs> yeah. Y'all, y'all fancy podcasters out there with your studio spaces and you know, <laughs> the rest of us are sitting on a bed holding the microphone in our hands because that's how it works. So, yeah, that it, it's so hard for me to look at that line of thinking around um, somebody like saying like, oh, this is like the loving thing to do. And I'm like, no, like I, I do not understand how like, a breaking relationship with anybody um, like, granted, like, if your relationship with somebody is toxic, that's one thing to, like, have a strong boundary or to, like, cut those people out of your life because you can't, uh, because it's uh, abusive. But just because you're a gay lady. Yeah. And I think one of the most painful things about it for my family is that we lost my sister to suicide about just over four years ago now. I'm so sorry. And so... And, and on top of that, my dad died when we were children. And so you look at how the family has already endured so much loss and you really begin to wonder how an individual could do that. Mm. I, I, I can't believe in the kind of God that, that he believes in. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that is painful. And I'm sorry. Um, like, there's there are no words, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's part of this journey we're on, right? Yeah. Because, um, like, obviously, like, what really sucks is that your story, at least that kind of narrative of having family cut you out, is like not uncommon, right? For so many, for so many queer Christians and so many queer people in general, is that it's just like there is. Uh, we have been trained by our upbringing, by society in general, that like, you know, that these two identities, like being queer, being Christian, are incompatible, and you can't even put yourself in the same midst or the same fellowship with people who disagree with you. And I think something that like I have tried to bring in for myself is like, how do we disagree well with one another? Right. Like, how do we hold on to relationships with people? even if they disagree with us, like moving forward into this next iteration of whatever the church is going to be. Yeah. And I think that's been a really important part of my process is when I originally came out, I was like 18 or 19 and I felt like just so angry. I don't know. It's just like part of my coming out experience. I was so mad. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so mad at how people responded and how my family reacted and, I was so angry and now it's so amazing to be in a place where I'm not offended and I don't feel the need to get defensive and I'm finally comfortable in my true identity. And one of the things that's been really helpful for me in the process with my mom, 
sort of coming from this conservative background, um, like our parents have their own journey in it too, right? And yeah. our family members and our friends. And it's really interesting to step back and watch it all unfold. Mm-hmm. But with my mom, I learned that I did not need to force anything upon her. Yeah. And I sort of just, it was this unspoken truth for so long, which was very painful for me, but in not forcing it upon her, she was my maid of honor at the wedding. Oh, and she has welcomed my wife. Like literally my wife calls her mom. That's amazing. And it's been this really, really cool process that's even helped her theology and her understanding of the divine evil. Yeah, that is such a good story because, like, I feel like, you know, I feel like for a lot of queer Christians and just queer people who come out in general, like, that relationship to our our family is so incredibly important. It's something that we often lose sight of, of like the process of like the people around us because you know if we are to be in community with one another that means like the journey that we take also has to be communal and I feel like a lot of at least I kind of like you when I first came out I was so pissed off at every single human mm-hmm. I didn't understand why they didn't get it why can't you just affirm my humanity why don't you get this it makes so much more sense um and then also to remember that just like you know just two and a half years ago I was kind of sitting where you were, where it was just like, I am, you know, I was, you know, celibate and I was trying to, you know, make a relationship with a woman work. Um, That's the deal. And when like, I think the, the tribal mindset of evangelicalism kind of sets ourselves up for almost like a way of self-policing. Totally. And it's so fear-based that if I even believe the wrong thing, I could go to hell. If I think the wrong thing, I could go to hell. And that's that fear of God's, you know, God is this angry douchebag in the sky who's going to, like, yep. like throw a lightning bolt at me or set my house on fire like Job. Because <laughs> right. just to teach me a lesson about something, I was like, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but Kevin, that's because he loves you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is something that was pointed out to me from my friend Emmy Kegler, um, the Reverend Emmy Kegler, if you will. Uh, but she pointed out in a workshop, she said, like, um, even in the story, like everyone says like, you know, suffering is part of the, the, the Christian experience. Suffering is like what, what we have to go through. Um, and she pointed out, she said, even in the Bible, there are no examples of suffering that lasts as long as, uh, like a queer person who's like repressing themselves for their entire life. There's no, so good. there's no biblical standard for saying suffering has to be your entire life. Yeah. Yeah, and I also would say that suffering is not just a part of the Christian experience. It's a part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in a lot of evangelical circles, the suffering is almost like a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. And we almost bring more suffering upon ourselves and we blame it on God or we blame it on the devil or we blame it on... The devil's my favorite one to blame it on. (laughs) Yeah. He is coming against me. He does. I've actually been recently referred to a lot as the devil himself. So, are you gonna add that? Are you gonna add that to your business card? Yeah, I writer, thought. Yeah, to my resume. Writer, speaker, the devil himself. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, people are crazy. As did you, did you get any other fun names as of late? Because I've I've got my own. Oh my gosh, I get so many. I think that 
the common theme right now for me is people are really asking me to recant that I'm a Christian. So they're very upset that I'm still claiming to be a Christian in the midst of all of this. And they say it's, it can't be so. You cannot be a Christian. Well, Hannah, the, stop saying you're a Christian. But I am. I'm like, but that, that, no, because I am. And you don't get to decide that for me. Yeah. And, like, and it irritates them so much. They hate it. Yeah. Because, I mean, my question to that is just like, you know, how are we saved? You know, if we want right. to talk about, say, like, well, you know, by grace through faith. And if that's like the marker for it, then, you know, like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm by grace through faith. Like, and I think yeah. Lutheran theology is dope because it, like they say, just like within my own ability, I am unable to choose God, but it is the Holy Spirit in me that compels me to pursue Christ. So good. So like, it's, it's I not, like even, it. it's not even about you choosing it's an identity. Even, you didn't even, yeah, you didn't even get to choose God. Yeah. God even chose you, out honey. Of your hand. Yeah. Preach. Uh, like don't get don't put me well, put me on the pulpit in three years when I've got my MDiv and then we'll <laughs> um as a so like as like you know like you were for so long connected with this other oh there's a lawnmower outside my window gross can you hear that go away a little bit barely okay cool well then I'm just gonna move the mic closer to my face yeah um as you have been like kind of like working through the process of coming out and like reemerging in you know, this public way of really trying to, and not even really trying, but owning your identity, both as a, uh, a gay woman and as a, uh, a Christian. Um, how do you like, what is the shift in like your ministry kind of been? Because like, you know, for all intents and purposes, you're still a pastor. Let's be real. You're still a preacher. I know. I know. It's been really interesting. I was actually just talking to uh, my wife this morning about how, there's all this going on, right? Like where events are happening and podcasts are being started and all this stuff is sort of blossoming out of all the controversy that's been happening online. And I'm like, it's a little bit overwhelming because I've never been on this side of things in ministry. Mm -hmm. And it used to be really, really comforting to have all the answers. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was, it's like one of those things where you could ask me anything and I could point you to the right scripture or I could tell you well what, you know what would Jesus do and this is just what we're called to and now it's so much more fluid and complex which to me is much more interesting I'm so bored by how I used to think yeah but that's real talk it's so that's real much talk. more exciting <laughs> like it's so boring isn't it I'm so bored one of my favorite things is when people comment on the threads and and they quote like Romans one or first Corinthians six, nine to 11. Classic. And classic. It's so good though, because in my mind, I'm like people like you and I like queer Christians, we've studied those scriptures and toiled over those scriptures more than anyone because it is at the foundation of yeah. our belief system. And we basically especially have a, like, in we, the world of, I was going to say, we basically all deserve like honorary PhDs. Right. Exactly. And it's just so fascinating to me how how they think, I don't know, quoting those scriptures is somehow going to, like, it is those scriptures that brought me to where I am. <laughs> like, Ooh. They were foundational. All it is is proving that I am more comfortable where I am today. 
Yeah, and more whole. Because I don't read them the same. Yeah, more whole. Yeah. And more I th- healed. Yeah, what's also really interesting for me is, like, queer Christians um, who uh, who come out and who, like, fully embrace themselves. It's almost like we have spent our entire lives uh, combing over this thing we call the Bible, this thing we, you know, claim to be divinely inspired. And, yeah. and to wrestle through those things and also to come out on the other side, A, having more questions than I did before. You know, like, I figured out some things, but, like, now I, I think... I've described it this way before is like sometimes like within evangelical faith tradition and how they kind of build up their like, I mean, discipleship within the evangelical church sucks. Let's be honest. (laughs) We don't, we don't teach people how to be uh, critical of their own mind. We don't teach people to be critical of scripture or interpretation or of sermons. Um, We just teach, we teach people to, and the reason I say we is because like, it's still the world that I work in and the still like, a tradition that has a part of my heart only because they're the people who introduced me to Jesus. Um, yeah. And I would like to see it um, reclaimed for the actual gospel. Hallelujah. Come on, revival. Yes. Um, Amen. <laughs> but it's, it, I look at, um, we have an entire, like we have like a few generations now of people who like don't know how to study their own scriptures, who have been like disinclined from actually like <laughs> learning Hi, puppy. My, I got three dogs barking in the back. Yes, sweet babies. You, I got lawnmowers. You got dogs. It's fine. Oh, my gosh! It is they're, like they're mad. Happening. Go upstairs. Come on, Fred. I love this. But yeah, we have like an entire generation of people who like are like. I'll edit all this in post, so it doesn't even matter. Please. <laughs> um, but we've like we've we've discipled an, an entire generation of Twitter theologians, where who are like yes. really comfortable with like soundbite theology, with like with like every. It's kind of like what you explained. Like they want everything explained to them, which also like pisses me off because. They want us to explain, like, the breadth of, like, an entirely different way of, like, not just viewing, like, six verses in the Bible, but how to observe the entire world through this, like, new liberated lens and also through a lens that's intersectional with the rest of justice work. Right. trying to explain that to you, dear internet friend, over, like, a Twitter, (laughs) like, that's exhausting. And they want It's exhausting. No, go ahead. I was going to say, and they want every queer Christian to do it for them. Like right, even, even the baby job, gays who just right? came out and they don't know anything yet, but just to know that yeah. God loves them. Yeah. And I, I find it fascinating because they want us, first of all, they don't believe anything we're saying. So, so we're at two different, completely different places as it is. My whole thing is I can't explain something to somebody that isn't in a place to receive it. So mm. I don't even waste my time. Mm-hmm. What's amazing to me is the amount, and I'm sure this is true for you too. I'd be interesting to hear, but the amount of messages in my inbox from people who publicly slam me on, on like in the public sphere of things. And then they'll message me privately and say, Hey, I just want you to know, like you're actually really inspiring. And they have me try to walk them through their depression, you know? Yeah. (laughs) 
it's uh you know it's the the secretly affirming people out there um, right and also like the secretly struggling people out there who are like people with big public platforms who are hiding their sexuality and gender identity yeah like absolutely and i love so much what you were saying i love so much the about the jewish tradition that yes. everything is about questions i love that they they think through things they question through things they doubt through things um and for so, somehow in the christian tradition we've completely lost that and we're told to doubt in silence because once you doubt then i mean mm-hmm. it's just a big problem so i feel like in even in the evangelical world there's this known thing where everybody's probably kind of doubting but we just don't say it and if you say it then you have to be very careful who you say it to and make sure they don't tell anyone else because then before you know it it will be all over the church that you're just going astray <laughs> oh ain't that the f- that's the one you know just like we just hear that just like you know, maybe you're like struggling maybe you're like yeah. backsliding a little bit mm-hmm. and it's a slippery slope oh my so gosh. pray more read your bible more mm-hmm Pray more, read your Bible more, um, get an accountability buddy. Yeah, absolutely. That's and, a big one. Oh my gosh. And then also like, I don't know, were you ever a part of like X gay ministries at all? Just like, like living yes. waters and things like that. M- yeah. Many of them. Did you ever <laughs> like, did you ever like in like those circles, like do the thing where like you rated like how your week went? Like 10 is like, I had sex with a stranger and one and like, <laughs> yes. 10 is I like, I had sex with a stranger Seven might be like I held hands with somebody of the same sex. Um, two is like I masturbated, and also having to yeah. talk about like those things with strangers—it's like weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah, it's so odd. I've had a lot of interesting experiences with um, ex-gay ministries, and actually, I remember very profoundly. I was doing so. I used to be a part of Calvary Chapels. Mm-hmm. And um, I did this Bible study. It was like once a week at nighttime in this really cool room and all these women and young girls would come. And I was like the edgy one, you know, because I have tattoos. And Yeah. And you like I, wear, you wear a black and like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to be gay and like everyone really kind of wants to know what that was like, but they don't want to know too much because that's not who I am anymore. And um, I remember like I would, I was doing this Bible study and I completely just lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? We were talking about ex-gay groups and you were inside this. Oh yeah. And this was right after Exodus recanted. Yeah. And I remember looking at like all the things people were saying on Facebook about this happening and everybody was saying such ridiculously cruel and ignorant things. Mm -hmm. And my inbox just flooded. Well, what do you think about this? Well, what about this? Well, what's your take on this? And what about that? And because I was the, you know, ex-gay answer giver. Yeah. Yeah. The patron saint of the ex-gays. I'll never forget. I completely did away with whatever I was going to speak on that night. And I was like, everybody, it's a must come Bible study. There was like probably, I don't know, a hundred people there. And all I did was talk about, how fed up I was with what everybody was saying about Exodus and how completely disgusted I was that anybody could pretend to know what those individuals had been going through for for years and years to get to the point that they were. And this for me 
was the beginning, I think, of this isn't working. And that was mm -hmm. years before I stepped out of ministry. It was a very long process, but I remember that specifically being so powerful. Yeah. And how people could, could assume certain things about individuals or an organization based on the fact that they changed their stance on something. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back with more of a tiny revolution in just a second. Like I said at the top of this podcast, today's episode is supported in part by BetterHelp, a convenient, online, affordable therapy platform that makes therapy accessible for everybody. I started my own journey with mental health back in college, and it was the first time in my life that I finally got some things off my chest that I desperately needed to. It was the first time that I actually talked about my sexuality and faith with anybody, and it was the first time that I said that I was struggling with uh, you know, suicidal ideation, like many of us who struggle with faith and sexuality do. Honestly, therapy saved my life, and so that's why I'm super passionate about what BetterHelp is doing. Because there's so many of us out here that have similar stories where we are just simply suffering by ourselves and we don't even know where to start or how to get help or where to turn. So here, here's an opportunity. Here's where you can start. Here's where you can turn. If you know that you've needed to get some therapy for a while, and honey, I know it's all of us, this is your opportunity. Check out BetterHelp. I promise you, even if you think you just need a little bit of help, a little bit of help goes a long way. And it's affordable, with plans as low as $35 a week, which is hella cheap as compared with some office visits. Um, you can't say that it's too expensive for you. I mean, like, you're listening to a podcast on your computer or device, so I'm pretty sure you've got a little bit of money to invest in yourself, hon. And it's accessible. It's right through your phone or your computer, tablet, iPad, whatever you prefer. Um, they also have text, text, uh, text therapy, phone therapy, video sessions. Um, so you do not have an excuse to say that you don't have enough time to invest in yourself because this fits into your schedule. So click the link in the show notes. You'll be taken directly to the website and start working your way towards a happier, more healthy you today. Okay? BetterHelp is here for you. I think this is a dope service. I'm a huge fan of what they're doing. Um, so yeah, click the link in the description box below. Go get some help, honey, and let's have a great summer. Okay? All right. Back to the show. Based on evidence, based on the <laughs> fact that, like, we've been going at this thing for God knows how long. And if the statistic is 99% of people did not experience, like, a change. like a, a It doesn't work. Yeah. Like, it's, it's it's one of these things, like, I don't understand. We're just like, well, you know, there's Rosaria Butterfield. I'm like, and, like, yeah. power to Rosaria Butterfield and the ministry of her life and her getting closer to God. Sure. That is a story right. in the entire canon of stories out there that you know like like i wish i got paid for every time somebody sent me a rosario butterfield um, oh my god <laughs> i'm just like i should like you know what you need to do is you need to send like paypal requests to people right for like wasting <laughs> like here like you owe me five dollars for wasting my time as but, if also as if it's something we have never heard before yeah, it's like this is going to be like the one thing I can say to this person that's going to like change their life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's like, totally. it's like the same thing on YouTube comments. Like I, I kind of get a kick out of like reading through the, reading through certain YouTube comments because like 
it's the generally the same thing like you are deceived and i'm like cool and that's usually <laughs> how i answer i'm just like thank you for your opinion cool yeah. that was helpful and that's like 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 where like the, uh, within like the, the entirety of like i guess like also evangelicalism is uh we talk about community all the time. We want to build community. We want to be in relationship with people. We want to be authentic. And, you know, I don't really know, like, the realest people in the world, at least in this world of Christendom, might be queer Christians and POC Christians who have been through the shit. Absolutely. And so if you want to be in a relationship with an authentic human, uh, such as a queer Christian, you need to... But they don't even really want that, though. They want to be right. They want to be certain. They don't. That's want... what it comes down to. Yeah, and it's like this feeling of like, I don't really care like what you've walked through. Like I have this script, and this works for me. And if you approach me with something other than what I what I know to be true in air quotes to be true, um, and that causes me to feel uncomfortable and starts to shake like my faith that has been built like a house of cards. Like, my yeah. whole thing could be crumbling down. And I think that's also, like, they want to be right and they're afraid of being wrong because if they're wrong about one thing, what else are they wrong about? And so within that whole, like, you know, what you mentioned, deconstruction, which mm-hmm. is, like, almost like a really annoying word that people throw around now. It is. Um, uh, but, but I that... genuinely did deconstruct my entire oh, yeah. theology. No doubt. <laughs> Question for you. When I say deconstruct, I mean rip down, tear apart. Take and a blowtorch to it. Somehow, yes, absolutely. Only it wouldn't die, and I wanted it to. <laughs> yeah, same. It's like the plane crashes, and like you're left there somehow still alive, and it's like, okay, I got to pick up the parts that work still and try to build something new out of it. Yes. Um, when it as you so you deconstructed things. Um, question for you. Um, re like. There's not really a term for it, like maybe integration, reconstruction, transcend, and include, as some people would put. Like, what was like your process of actually starting to put things back together for you? Oh my gosh. Another this big question. Good. Yeah, it is. It's because I feel like that process was so long. And then I guess in the same respect, you can look back and kind of pick things out that happened in the process where you started rebuilding. I think one of the things was. Um, is it Matthew Vine that wrote God and the Gay Christian? Oh, yes. My buddy okay. Matthew. So I, this is actually an interesting story because I, once I stepped out of ministry, I was living with a girl at the time, my ex-girlfriend. <gasps> I know. Cohabitate and living in sin. Don't tell anyone. Okay. Um, I remember watching a Matthew Vine video where he was basically it it was basically his book but in a condensed version Mm -hmm. of like testimony style yeah and was it like his talk that he gave in Kansas City yeah and I hated it I absolutely (laughs) I just did I don't know if it was because where I was at the time or I hadn't really thought through my own theology enough to really grasp what he was saying I don't know what it was but I hated it and fast forward, when I stepped out of ministry, a close friend of mine was like, hey, you should read this book, God and the Gay Christian by Matthew Vine. And, and you I rolled kind your of, eyes. I did what you just did. Yeah. And I like rolled my eyes. And I was like, no, I'm good. And then she's like, no, it's really, really powerful. I think you'd really enjoy it. 
And I was like, yeah, I watched, you know, a, a YouTube video a while back. I really wasn't a fan. And then I kind of got over myself and decided, all right, I'm going to get the book. I'm going to read what this man has to say. Read it. Loved it. Mm-hmm. I was like, now this is so good, which is fascinating that I could love it. It's like I was saying earlier, kind of sometimes we're not ready for something, mm-hmm. which causes people to hate it. Mm-hmm. But his message hadn't changed. I had changed. Yes. I had come to a new place. So I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. So piggyback off that, that sort of open that book got me to go for the first time ever to a gay affirming church. Wow. Which was another powerful moment where I was told for so many years that God did not inhabit places like that. Mm-hmm. And I walked in and I saw lesbian, gay, transgender people leading worship and i felt for lack of better terms god's presence so much i think Mm -hmm. i cried the entire service through worship through the sermon through everything and all i could think is everything they were telling me was bullshit Mm -hmm. because god is here yeah and so that was number two Mm-hmm. Number three, um, I'm going to have to say, I know probably everyone's like, oh God. But so Rob Bell's book, mm-hmm. Love Wins. Yeah. Um, I used to think Rob Bell was the biggest heretic in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, a friend of mine told me to read that book. And I was like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I will absolutely not read that book. I don't want to hear anything he has to say. Um, And I will preface this by saying, I don't necessarily agree with everything that's Mm -hmm. in the book, but I will say that it helped me to enlarge my own framework. Yeah. And to begin thinking in a different way. And, I think one thing people are so scared of is reading or watching or listening to something that they don't agree with for fear as to where it will lead them. I'm sort of the opposite where I'll, I'll read all kinds of weird stuff and mm-hmm. try to pull out from it what works. Yeah. The old saying of eat the meat, spit out the bones. Exactly. Unless yeah. you're a vegetarian, in which case that doesn't work. <laughs> which, which I used to be and I'm not anymore. fun fact but um yes i would say those were three major turning points for me Mm -hmm. um for the human who maybe at this point were like they've done their deconstruction and like they're Mm -hmm. like everything is burning and now what do i do um like what like is there give a word for the people yeah so i would just I would tell those people, A, you don't have to rush your process. Mm-hmm. And I feel like oftentimes we try to force people to, ca- to catch up with us. Mm-hmm. Or we try to force people even, even into the coming out process, mm-hmm. which I don't think should be forced. I think, I think if it's not time, then you know it's not time. Yeah. And so I would tell those people to warm their hands up next to that burning (laughs) (laughs) 
theology around them. Um, not rush their process, but I think it's also important to begin moving in some direction. Mm-hmm. And so I would say don't overwhelm yourself with the big picture of everything. Yeah. What is the next step? The one next step that you could take to begin formulating some life back into what has been burned down. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in that place, I think it's so important that you know that you're not alone. I'm one of those people where I respond to every message. I respond to like everything in my inbox, regardless of what people are writing me. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, not to put you out there like that, but I, I feel like people like you and I is kind of like what we're here for. Mm-hmm. If And also to find, I hate to say to find community, but find like that one person mm-hmm. that you can begin talking through this stuff with. You're not alone. You are loved and valued and treasured and adored and worthy and capable and strong and brave, regardless of where you're at. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what you feel like you know or don't know, hold on to that. Like hold on to the fact that you are all of those things and move from that place. That's good stuff. That's a word. The word of God for the people of God. <laughs> there it is. Thanks be to God. Um, <laughs> yeah, I will say this. Um, I I used to be the person who would respond to every single email and inbox and Instagram message. Um, and I still do respond not as usually in depth. I usually try to point people towards resources. Mostly because yeah. I know my own emotional capacity for things. And... I think it might be really easy for a lot of people to look towards uh, people with an online presence or with a platform and say, that's the person who's going to fix me. That's the person who's going to like, yeah, if I can just get a conversation with them. And I feel like it's also like in some ways, like the same thing I was doing when I was still a missionary is like, if I just go do this one thing, if I just get this one blessing, if I go through this one training program, I'm going to be fixed. And like the thing about it is, is that, uh, there's not a person, a program, a a book out there that can take away the pain of the things that are happening around us. Um, I think it helps with processing the pain and like going through it. Um, I think the biggest piece of advice I always give to people as they're working through their coming out process or the reconstruction or whatever is to uh, find the people, hopefully within the same proximity as you, like physical proximity, who can love you for who you are and not in spite of who you are. Um, and not a love yeah. and not one of those people who's like, I love you, but I disagree with homosexuality kind of people. <laughs> yeah. But like someone who says like, I love you no matter what, no matter where you land, I've got your back. And, and sometimes that's just a person, yeah. one person. And I think a lot of people live in places or in situations where maybe they're fearful to be honest about who they really are mm-hmm. and where they're really at. And sometimes that might be a single person. Maybe it's a brother, maybe it's a sister, maybe it's a parent, mm-hmm. maybe it's a friend from school, maybe it's someone at church. But I feel like there is at least a person mm-hmm. that we can be honest with and be transparent with and allow them to sort of stand beside us through the process. Yeah. And being open to that person because it like... I think when you hold a secret so long, 
it's really, really easy to hold that secret and let that be like your shield against the entire world. Um, Absolutely. And God, like I remember, I'm getting emotional thinking about it actually. Um, Like I remember like when I shared that secret with my mom uh, for what was my second time coming out to her because I came out to her in high school and did the whole reparative therapy thing. But when I came out to her as an adult 11 years later, um, like secrets have a weight that you don't even recognize until they're off Mm. your body. That is so true. And yeah, I, and I just remember, you know, it's, and this is like, I don't like to put theodicies on things, but sometimes like I can't help it. But like I was standing there on this, like out in the woods and like on this peninsula near the house I was living in at the time. And I said, God, I need your presence right now. And I need, I just need to know that you're here. And I looked up at the sky and there was a cloud in the shape of a heart. And I'm like, and I'm like, that is so stupid. That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, I love that. So it's, um, yeah, coming out processes can be, and just reconstruction processes is like, hold all of yourself and allow yourself to be all the things you are. Yeah. And Mm. don't try to change those things. Yeah. You have to change those things. Just recognize those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Accept those things. I think we spend, especially in, you know, westernized ways of thinking, we spend so much time trying to fix and change. And mm-hmm. sometimes the power is in just being who we are. Whew. And not trying to change or fix or do away with or transform, although you will. But. Mm-hmm just being comfortable with who you are is the most powerful thing. And oftentimes, like you said, holding on to those secrets, once you speak them out, you realize that maybe they weren't as weighty as they felt while you were holding on to them by yourself. Because oh, in yeah. speaking it, you allow other people to hold them with you. Mm, that's so, so good. some of the weight is lifted regardless of sometimes even regardless of the response, because mm-hmm. you're not keeping silent anymore that's mm-hmm. cancerous that's deadly that that kills the soul yeah and, and that's the I, reason i feel like it manifests itself in like all the ways it does in repressed people depression anxiety abuse like su- substance abuse um suicidal ideation yes like, it's deadly and it's gross and it's so hard and it's also something we're taught to do though mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So it's also not your fault it's not their fault it's not our fault it just mm-hmm. is yeah we inherited a broken system yeah which is why we're here to change it to break free you know what they said there's power in the name of jesus to break every chain hallelujah said, break every chain oh my god every... we sing that at the end of every single reformation project yeah i love it and when you have let me tell you what when you have a queer person leading that song that's a whole nother word that yeah that's a whole another form of power right there that was my conversation with my friend hannah parks connect with hannah over on her website stateofsoul.org hannah thank you so much for uh joining me on the podcast i sincerely loved our conversation and hope you're doing well hon 
Special thanks to all my supporters on Patreon. Y'all are making the work possible. We are so close to making 100 patrons, which is like a goal. I don't even care how much or how little you are giving per month. I just want 100 people. I like to say, like, I made it to 100 patrons on Patreon. So if you want to support this work, if you think conversations like these are important, if you think we need to tell more queer Christian stories, I invite you go to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia and become a sustaining partner today. Even if you're tipping as little as one, two dollars a month, that seriously helps. Like don't think that your just little one or two dollar donation per month isn't doing anything because it is doing something. It's getting conversations like these on the air and into the ears of people who desperately need to hear them. I've had so many people recently um, tweeting at me saying that they're binging the show, that they just discovered it. I'm so excited y'all are here. If you are binging it, if you are loving it, I mean, prove it. Put your money where your mouth is, honey. Um, because, uh, again, I'm an independent creative. I do have some help from people like BetterHelp, but even that is uh, not going to pay all of the bills. So go ahead and support the show, uh, become a friend, and there's also sweet perks associated with being a patron. And you can check all that out online at patreon.com slash Garcia. Another great way to contribute to the show and support it is by leaving us a review. Go to the iTunes store, or your podcast app, leave a quick review. It takes less than 60 seconds just to give us five stars and tell me how I'm doing. Also, I'd love for you to comment. So you can comment on the episode by going to my website, thekevingarcia.com, clicking on the episode that's posting, and talk to me. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me across social media at thekevingarcia. And also, can you do me a quick personal favor? Open up your YouTube app, go to my channel. You can find me just by searching Kevin Garcia and subscribe. I'm really trying hard to get up to 1,000 subscribers, so it would be a huge milestone if you could do that for me. Or if you're on your desktop, go to youtube.com slash hello, I'm Kev in, so K-E-V-N, which is also what I say at the beginning of every single one of my videos. Hello, I'm Kevin. So uh, go check that out. Go do that for me. Um, grab your Wild Goose tickets. Use the promo code GooseCast18. Get 25% off your tickets. I think that's everything. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Go see your therapist or start seeing your new therapist with better help. Um, do some yoga, meditate, call your BFF, drink some water, have a kiki with somebody, go on a walk, do some push-ups, do a little bit of cardio today. Even just like 15 minutes of cardio, walking around, getting some vitamin D in your skin, that's going to really help you out, honey. Trust me. Especially going to summertime, we need to get that summertime glow because Lord knows my pasty ass is not ready for pride, honey. Oh, speaking of pride, new pride shirts are coming from Queerly Beloved. Get set for that. Okay, I'm done talking. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia, and I'll talk to you soon, honey. Bye. Oh.